a lot of you will feel that you know Steve. Uh, you've probably heard him at different settings. I know that we heard him in Ealing, hit an absolute home run. Uh, we still talk about it. We've heard him at different conferences. Uh, and so in one sense, it, it, you can feel like I know the guy. But, but what I want to do is, is to, 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 to ask some questions to help Steve. to, to un- so, you, so you think, I know him more. I know a little of his journey. And then some of his uh, leadership stuff that he's done and tran- transitions that he's done. So, so that's where we're going to go. So, um, so Steve, it's brilliant to, to have you with us. And um, just want to just give you a chance just to tell us your story in terms of your, your little of your background and your coming to faith uh, and your journey into leadership. Um, yeah, so I grew up in uh, Cape Town, South Africa, was brought up uh, in a non-Christian home. Uh, my parents used to take me to a Methodist Sunday school uh, when I was younger, although they didn't attend the church. They dropped my brother and myself off, and then they'd go and enjoy their um, Sunday uh, morning <laughs> and, and then pick us up when the church uh, uh, was over. And probably the age eight or nine, I said I didn't want to go anymore, and they weren't going, so they didn't say, no, we, we think this is really important. So I kind of grew up probably thinking that I was a Christian because I wasn't Jewish or Muslim, but didn't have any um, faith uh, in Jesus, didn't understand the gospel at all. Uh, And then when I was in high school, a friend of mine that I played rugby with uh, invited me to attend a youth camp, and really without giving it much thought, I just said yes. Uh, And that was something that I really regretted at the first worship (laughs) session uh, of the camp because this was uh, uh, this youth event was really full on at the first worship time everybody was kind of lifting up their hands in worship I'd never experienced charismatic worship before in fact I'd never been in a worship time because like in the Methodist church the Sunday school was just like that happened when the main meeting happened so it was just like a kid we never had worship at all so I'm like okay these guys are singing and everybody's lifting up their hands and I knew Uh, The friend who had invited me, uh, who was lifting up his hands, and that really freaked me out. And there was another guy I'd played rugby against that I'd met just before, and I was looking around to see where he was. I couldn't find him. And he was lying on the floor, (laughs) surrendering his life afresh to Jesus. And I honestly thought I'd hit the twilight zone. And uh, this was a seven-day camp. And, and there were no cell phones in those days. It's just like, I am stuck here for seven days. This, this is crazy. Um, uh, so the whole thing's kind of new to me. On, on, the, on the second evening, um, I'm kind of, you, got a, you, you, you kind of sat with your group, and we were kind of in the front row, and um, the guy uh, sang a song um, that he had sung the night before, uh, so this was the first time I actually felt like I could sing along, and it was like, I believe in Jesus, you know, that, uh, that song, and so I'm just like singing along, so this is the first time I'm actually engaging where I'm feeling like uh, I'm actually participating in this, and this guy who was surrendering his life afresh to Jesus the night before, the only other guy I knew on the camp came up to me and said, do you believe what you're singing? Which to me was like quite coincidental, because this was actually the first time I'd actually engaged in kind of corporate singing like that. So I said yes, and then he said to me, do you want to become a Christian? And 
I just said yes. It, it, it wasn't. But it, it, it wasn't like a life. Uh, you know, un, like I really understood what I was doing. It was kind of at the same level of. Uh, you know, would you like a Coke? And, but so I said yes, and then this group of friends... Surely not that shallow. <laughs> yeah. um, so then these guys prayed for me, and actually what, they, they were more interested that I'd like really get filled with the Spirit than, than, than the kind of conversion prayer. Anyway, they prayed, I prayed with them. The next day, uh, everybody's coming up to me, like congratulating me. <laughs> so I'm like, I must have done something really, really good. Um, <laughs> So I'm, I'm tracking with this uh, on this camp, but then on the on the fourth evening uh, of this uh, camp time, there was just a there was a, a really powerful move of God, and uh, in that moment, I really felt powerfully uh, impacted by God, an encounter with God that I I knew the reality of God, and I knew from that point on I could never den- deny the existence uh, of God, and. Um, off the back of the camp, then you know they had a, a kind of a discipleship process, and and really felt like I began to understand the gospel and who Jesus was, and uh, could respond uh, to him uh, at a more deeper and meaningful level. And uh, at the end of that course, one of the applications was getting baptized, and so I got baptized in water. And on the night that I was baptized, the guy who was leading the church uh, announced that he was. Uh, handing on the leadership, and Simon Pettit was going to be relocating from the UK to take over the leadership. So um, that youth event was actually put on by Jubilee, what was then Vineyard, now now Jubilee. So it's really awesome that I actually uh, have become an elder in the church that I came to Christ in. You know. So you had an interesting introduction to Christian culture, but God saved you powerfully yeah, and then put yeah. you in Jubilee. Mm-hmm. And then tell me a little bit about your journey into... To, to, to leading that church. I know there's some, some pain and challenges in that, but just pick up that, that story there in terms of your becoming the leader of Jubilee. Um, yeah, so I suppose, I mean, quick highlights in terms of my leadership development, uh, kind of got involved with kind of youth leadership and student leadership while I was studying at, at UCT. And then I did two years in the States, uh, which I did uh, a frontier year project with New Frontiers and then a second year kind of fit for leadership, so that was a formative uh, training time for me, and actually Lex was my FYP leader in the States, um, so did that for two years and then came back, uh, worked for an, uh, an information provider to asset management team, I did kind of financial accounts at university, uh, so I did that for 18 months, and then Simon asked me to, to join the staff team, and my initial responsibility was leading the youth, and then I led the youth and the students. And funnily enough, then PJ, I'd uh, gone up to Zim in 2000 and had done a couple of trips and that had gone uh, really well. And Pete said to me, hey, I just think it would be like awesome if you were like here in Zim for uh, a year. So I said, yeah, I just think it would be cool. Um, maybe I should chat to Simon. I think it would result in an interesting conversation. So I went uh, to chat to Simon about it. At this point, I'm like youth student leader. I'm, I'm, I'm not an elder. I'm not sitting with the elders. And I just said to Simon, hey, you know, Pete suggested coming up to Zim. What do you think? And he said, um, look, you need to pray and decide for yourself, but um, I would prefer if you didn't do it because actually I feel like God's spoken to me about the next step for you. So I kind of said to him, well, you know, what, what is that? He said, I really feel like you should be uh, taking on the leadership of the eldership team. 
which was kind of interesting because I wasn't an elder so yet. How old, <laughs> how old were you at this time? Um, I don't know, 28, 29. Wow. Okay, so you'd done um, a bit of time in church and, yeah. and the business world as well. Yeah. Um, and so then that began a process of two years uh, from kind of that conversation to coming on to eldership and then to taking on the leadership of the team. And um, the goal of that was to help release Simon to serve translocally. And it's kind of funny, it was, I'd kind of been leading for a year, and um, I actually had said to Simon at the end of the year, it actually feels like this year has uh, you know, been about you supporting me, not about me kind of helping to release you. And he said, well, I just, you know, I really wanted to see you bedded in well. And um, kind of a month after the conversation, uh, I got a phone call from Gary Walsh uh, to say that Simon had passed away of a heart attack when, when he was doing a conference in New Zealand. And actually the night before that, I'd actually, Anna, my wife, had said to me, how are you feeling? And I said, uh, I'm feeling a little bit stressed. So she said, why? So I said, well, I know I've kind of been leading the team for a year, but Simon's been around for a lot of that time. The next three months, he's going to be away loads, and this really feels like it's game on. Final conversation, go to sleep. Uh, next news is about him um, passing away, and then it wasn't a three-month gig. It was a rest-of-my-life gig. So God prepared you. Just give us a little insight into the, some of the values and the culture uh, of Jubilee at the time that you'd kind of got hold of that you felt that were really critical in, in, in that church at that time? Yeah, I think uh, Simon was incredibly uh, courageous in terms of coming to the UK and not just accepting the status quo. I think um, South Africans are very good at explaining why the country that they're in uh, is actually uh, normal and there's, there's reasons for it's why it's like this and, and don't kind of meddle with it and, and Simon didn't really listen to any of that <laughs> and uh, really intentionally wanted to build a multiracial church. Um, so I think for me my upbringing was in a white bubble um, as weird as this sounds, growing up in Cape Town in the world that I did in, I really thought white people were in the vast majority because, you know, the school that I went to or the shops that I shopped in, you know, it was very white. Uh, so the idea, like, we were a minority, it's like, what are you talking about? Um, so that whole uh, commitment to racial reconciliation, social justice, uh, calling out stuff that's wrong, uh, not just kind of buying into a, a privileged class. Simon was massive on that. So that was huge. His commitment to the word just really faithfully taught a massive uh, kind of pastoral leadership gift uh, was really uh, wonderful, uh, wide open to the things of the spirit, uh, and then a global mission. So those are um, massive things that I felt I benefited. Also, he was just absolutely consistent. I honestly do not have a single bad story to tell about Simon. Uh, and I worked with him for years, um, so just feel massively indebted uh, to him. And if I'm half the leader he is, yeah, I, I think I would have uh, shot the lights off. So you're, in, uh, you're taking over the church from Simon. It's got some really great values embedded in it. Um, as you moved it forward, uh, I guess we've probably all heard that, that values, we all agree, agree about values, but philosophy of ministry is what's, what's to the fore so, so in terms of taking the church forward, you, you, you get hold of the leadership, but it grows f f further forward. 
what sort of changes and reflections have you had as that church has matured, as the culture around it has changed, and you've adapted to that culture? Yeah, I mean, I think some of the tweaks that I think we feel uh, that God's helped us uh, with is, I, I think in the uh, in, in, in the early 90s um, and then into a kind of early 2000s because kind of New Frontiers in, in terms of its kind of global reach was at its zenith then, it did feel a little bit like mission was what happened outside and obviously uh, Simon had translocal responsibilities, was serving in a lot of contexts and as a church we were caught up with what was happening in West Africa and East Africa and all of these, these various things. But I don't feel like there was really a reality of the average jubilee on mission in Cape Town. So I think similar to what Alan said, you're kind of the movement that you were part of created the context for mission, but that wasn't uh, a local context. So I think for us, actually just needing to draw back and say, hey guys, we need to uh, earth this in some reality. We need to love Cape Town and be committed to reaching the people of Cape Town. And actually, the exercise of doing that will make you the most uh, effective church plant if that's what you're wanting to do. If you haven't learned how to do that in Cape Town, you're not really going to do that somewhere else. So I think that was um, uh, an important change. I think the other one was, uh, historically, we had lived with a passion for restoration of the church, uh, but I feel like we have been well led by our fathers, so the church has been restored, and I felt the chapter two that God's added to us is that we need to be committed to seeing the restoration of all things. And so part of that was that the horizon in which you serve God uh, isn't simply the local church, that actually God can use you uh, in all sectors of society to help uh, bring about uh, cultural renewal taking place. And I think... There have been so many benefits to that. I think it's helped with um, people understanding the, the role that they've got to play in society. I think it's also helped us have a more balanced view in terms of seeing women released into leadership in terms of all sectors of society. So I think that there's been loads of, of uh, positive benefits around that. Wow, we could really unpack that. I just want to ask you one question. So, so obviously that's in process. You're, you're not going to presumably say not that that's not done. What if you were to give us some 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 things about that you did really practically to help put mission down on the ground in your postcode? I think was the phrase that was used this morning, and and that sense of kind of owning the the wider agenda of cultural renewal, bringing the kingdom. Just a, two or three things practically that you you've done, or you've or it's how you've changed how you've done things. Yeah, so I think, um, I mean, it's actually really nice because I feel like we're at a maturer place now, but it was, to pick up on what Alan said, there is a time where you need to focus. And so for us, Cape Town did become a focus, so we would get criticisms. You guys are just focused on Cape Town. We used to be focused on the nations. Now we're just focused on the city. But it needed a redress, and uh, so... I think based on my gifts, teaching is the natural way of doing it, so, so, so kind of teaching from the word, but then being really focused in terms of, of how we can do that, uh, profiling folk that are, are, are doing that, being, being really attentional around that, and then getting guys in to help train uh, around really practical evangelism. So obviously we've got the benefit of having Lex on our team who does that, but it's also having other guys do that. So when we've had Pete in, he's done his mission or me stuff, we had... 
Terran, and in fact, when we had our leaders time, we just felt like, hey, we just need, we just need to put the Bunsen burner under this again. So just uh, getting guys in that are practically telling stories, and then obviously us as a leadership team just doing it ourselves. And um, a practical thing that we did was just like we needed to do less. I think we had already trained people to attend meetings, and we had lots of meetings. And it's just like, hey, we need to do less as a church so there's actually space for guys to engage with non-Christians. Wow. That's right, Steve. You're a real gift to us. Uh, uh, let's thank Steve for what he is to us and what he's doing. I'm sure Steve would love you to pick his brains within reason. Uh, uh, just ask him about that because I, I know that transition is transition that lots of us are trying to make. And so thank you for just opening that door on that, Steve. That's brilliant. Matt. Pete Comfort. Guys. Uh, I've uh, been asked to interview Matt, so it's a privilege to do that. Just let him grab a chair. Matt, tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, your situation. Yeah, so uh, I'm Matt. I'm here with my wife, Hannah. Uh, we're from Gateway Church in Poole. Uh, I've got two daughters, uh, Evie's four and a half and Kaylee's 18 months. Uh, I work in banking and finance. So I work in uh, foreign exchange and uh, manage a team of people that um, are responsible for urgent foreign exchange payments. I remember, Matt, you telling us a story about uh, one of your cash dispensers going wrong and handing out £20 notes instead of 10 uh, yes. Is that still yeah, happening? Yeah. yeah, so I used to be, uh, I used to be a branch manager, and uh, there, was, there was... Yeah, it used to be. <laughs> uh, there, there was quite a bad situation where uh, some money was put in the wrong way in a machine, and um, anyone that asked for £10 got 20 so it was a popular day. <laughs> We're not asking you about your finances. Uh, we wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, ACPC, the Church Planter course. I've loved you being on that. Um, why don't you just tell us, why do you sign up for that course, apart from the great plug that was happening a couple of years ago? Apart from the uh, great plug. Um, so me and my wife have always felt um, that God's given us a heart to plant churches, something that's been on our heart for a long time. I think for me, practically, I felt like I was in a place of kind of real training and preparation and um, really felt God was sort of pressing me and saying, you need to do more, you need to do more training, more study. And um, when I heard about ACPC, it just really felt right. Um, it, was a, it was a real practical training, really kind of equipping you to go and plant churches and be a part of a church plant. So for me, I was like, yes, this sounds great. I'm really impressed. I know you take time off work. You're there, giving yourself to it. What do you feel you've most enjoyed about the course? I think what I've most enjoyed about the ACPC course is getting to spend time with people that have really done it. So people that have planted churches one, two, three, four times and actually really kind of hearing their stories, really kind of um, trying to learn some of their lessons, kind of the, the really good things, the things that have worked, the, the strategies, the things that have gone well, but also kind of hearing some of the hard things and hopefully learning some of the, their lessons from them rather than myself. I know in the last time we had a guy doing discipleship and he did a sort of bit of a counselling session on you. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully that was helpful. What, what's been the worst part of the course? Uh, <laughs> what's been the worst part of the course? 
So I, you know, I don't think that there's, I, I don't think there's been a bad part of the course. There's not been a bit, and I've been like, oh, I can't believe I'm doing this. This is so rubbish. Um, but um, I've, I've genuinely really loved it. I think it's been very challenging, though. I think, um, but in a really positive way. I think one of the things that the course models really well is that sense of tent making and church planting. A case of moving, having a job, planting a church. I don't feel. In kind of my Christian life, I've seen a lot of that modelled, and I feel that I've seen that very faithfully modelled in the course. So that's quite a big challenge for me. I think, wow, how do you how do you juggle all these kind of balls at the same time? Um, that's challenged me a lot, but I've found that really helpful. Brilliant. If there's other people here thinking, "Oh, go on, give me a line. Why would I get involved in the church planting course? What would your reason to them be?" I think what I would say, if you've got a heart for church planting, it's something that you're passionate about. For me, this course has really equipped me. It's really spoken to me. It's really opened my eyes. And I would say that there's not many opportunities that you have to spend quality time with experienced church planters. And for me, it's just been completely invaluable. I can read books on it. I can listen to sermons. But actually kind of really spending quality time with people, asking real questions, hearing about their lives. And, and sometimes hearing about the really hard things, you know, the, the isolation, the leaving your friends, the moving your house, all that sort of stuff. Um, is just completely amazing. So I would really encourage you, if you're thinking about church planting, if you're a part of a church plant, come and get involved. And if you're an experienced church planter, you need to come and help me. So get on the course. I think it's fantastic. I, I really, really loved you coming on it, being a part of the course. We just want to give a plug for the church planting course. Uh, hopefully in your bag, when you've got all your goodies, you would have seen one of these leaflets lying around. If not, we've got plenty that are outside. We've got module six coming up. That's going to start on the 15th of May. Uh, we're actually going to be holding that down in uh, Falmouth, not Weybridge, for those that are confused. And... Um, <laughs> It's going to be in Falmouth uh, because we want to support a church plant. We're going to be hearing a little bit about that in just a moment. That's the intensive, so that will be happening the last two days of June, the first day of July. It's going to be, as I say, uh, module six. How much is a module? It's £100 for a person. It's £150 for a couple. That covers the 10 weeks. So there's uh, six weeks of reading, three days of the intensive, and three weeks to do the training. Uh, You can take one of these forms. You could apply online, email me. We would love to get more people involved in this. I think the slide that PJ was going on earlier, just this whole thing, of church planting this is one of our things that we're trying to do together to say oh come on how could we train and equip people i'd love us to open a funnel and who knows how many church plants will come out of this in the future Uh, i'm not going to make an acrostic i'm not going to ask for suggestions but i do want to bring four words myself the first is i who could you invite who could you invite you might be sitting thinking i this is not for me but actually, if you're a leader, you could invite somebody else. And so it could well be that you think, look, I'll take one of these and I'm just going to pray. And it's going to be someone else in the church. And I'd like to say to them, look, this would be a great thing to do. I'd love to invite you to come along. My second thing would be, who could you invest in? I would love everybody who came on the church planting course not to have to pay for it themselves. And it's not about the money. It's about you saying, we're behind you. And actually, okay, it's 100 quid for this module, but I'd love to stand in and I'll pay you 100 quid because I would love to invest in you and what you're going to be doing. 
And so it'll be great. You might think, actually, I could invite someone. Well, hey, if there's someone else doing it, I'd love to invest in. I would encourage any of you, you're welcome to attend. Particularly if you're a church leader, come on one module because it's really hard to plug something you've never experienced yourself. When we uh, started the church uh, up in Ealing, we took the whole church through Alpha. And many people say, oh, I've done Alpha. But actually, it's much easier to invite someone to a course that you've experienced. And you say, oh, it's in this restaurant, and that's the kind of food they have. So I would encourage you uh, just to come along and to attend, you know, to get involved in some of these things that are going on. Or it could be that you want to sign up completely. You do one module at a time. There's up to three modules in a year. There's six modules altogether. Uh, You may say, well, look, I I could do one this year, two this year. We would really encourage you to do this and pray for those that are doing it because we'd love to see something in Europe and who knows, it could come from the Advanced Church Planting course. And it's a a tried and tested course in South Africa and and we just love people to get behind this. So, Matt, we've loved your sacrifice, loved you you getting involved. Can't wait until he tells us where he's going to plant and hopefully he'll be able to say, oh, these modules do me a world of good. I'm hoping someone will tell me, so if you hear anything, you know... (laughs) Let's give him a round of applause. Great, I'm staying and I'm going to invite Liam up. So I've just got a quick uh, few questions to ask Liam. This goes really on the back of the advanced church planting. Uh, Liam and his wife Holly uh, have been coming along, been driving up from Falmouth, which has been fantastic. They, they, They win the award for the most committed. So the last time we had the intensive, his wife was there with a three-week-old baby for three days of teaching. I mean, that is really very impressive. But um, anyway, before we get on to that, just tell us a little bit about yourself, your family. Uh, Yeah, so my name's Liam, uh, married to Holly. Uh, We live in Falmouth, and we've got three kids, five-year-old daughter, three-year-old boy, and an eight-week-old now, Uh, another little boy. And uh, yeah, we're doing well. And what do you do for a job? Uh, I work in the police. So I'm a, a community support officer, so it's neighbourhood policing. It's a full-time job, and uh, yeah, it's great fun. I love it. Excellent. I know that Andrew has been outstanding and support. I know Grace Church, Truro, got a really big heart for planting, and there's loads that they've done behind the scenes, getting you guys ready. We're going to hear a little bit about that. But if I went back further in the story, you were telling me how old was it that you felt God call you to go to this place? Uh, it's it was quite it was quite difficult to put <laughs> to put a time in it. But it was probably when uh, when I was about seventeen, seventeen, eighteen, that sort of age. So sort of ten, ten years ago. Yeah, uh, I probably couldn't have formulated exactly what it was. I just knew I knew that God was calling me to church plant, and uh, I didn't live in Cornwall at the time. And but I, there was something about Falmouth. I just knew I love Falmouth, and I've been there once. Um, and over, just over the years, that's sort of developed and, and grown, and and, uh, and yeah, here we are. So as a teenager, God put something in your heart, yeah. and I remember you telling me, um, even when you were meeting with Holly, dating her, it all came up in conversation there? Yeah, yeah, so I, I remember having one conversation with her at, I think we were at the Brighton conference one year, around that sort of time, 17, 18, and uh, we were sort of going out at the time, and I was having a very weird conversation about church planting in Falmouth. Uh, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and again, it wasn't. It, yeah, I couldn't formulate exactly what what that would be, what it was going to look like. I just, I just got a got a done something in 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 my heart and Holly's heart, and uh, yeah. Isn't it fantastic? You think, God, he was that ten years ago? Yeah. God put something in your heart. We just better hear how it's going. But before we do, tell us a little bit about the place. What, what what's it like for those that have never visited or don't know where it is? That, uh, <laughs> Uh, so Falmouth's in Cornwall, it's south coast of Cornwall, um, and it's, it's got 22,000 people, it's very closely linked to Penryns, the next town along, so altogether there's about 33,000 people. It's a student uh, town, it's a university town, the only sort of university in Cornwall, and you have this, uh, it's, it's quite a weird mix in Falmouth of, it's, it's a Cornish town, so you kind of have Cornish heritage and old sort of Cornishness in it, but there's, there's also the students uh, which bring a vibrancy and a, and a life to the town. It's got the, the docks, big industrial docks, where all the big US Navy ships come in to get refitted. And um, So there's a huge dock and kind of seafaring life. It's also, a lot of people have their boats and they have rich people bring their money. And, um, and actually just behind the docks is where kind of internationally people bring their super yachts to get, to get fixed. And so there's, there's some seriously wealthy people as well. But, you know, there's, there's poverty and... Um, uh, Falmouth, Falmouth recently won the best coastal community in the in the uh, British High Street Awards. It topped some kind of poll, some sort of readers' poll on on the best place to live in the UK. Uh, I didn't check the list, but I'm pretty sure Weymouth didn't come close. <laughs> <laughs> but Falmouth, Falmouth, where it's at, is the most beautiful place in the world. It is. So it's fantastic. I always love the fact that people tell us about where they live because they love it. And if you love where you live, then you're going to love the people. Mm. And it'd be great, you know, you reaching out with the good news of Jesus there. So you've been living there two years and been travelling across to Andrew and Grace and Truro, always with the intention. And I know that it's, it's May this year, they're sort of sending you out. So just tell us how many people that are now involved in this plant and, and what it's looking like as of yeah. today. So there's a group of about uh, between 20 and 25 of us. Um, we're kind of, they're mainly sort of young people, so just some students, some young married couples. Um, there's a, a kind of a, a young couple in their 30s, but then there's a big jump, and we've got three kind of retired people. Um, so, so that's great. So, yeah, between 20 and 25 of us, and heading towards May 21st is the day where Grace Church is sending us out uh, yeah, to see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is so exciting, isn't it? I, some of us have heard Andrew saying, you know, oh, they, they felt it birthed in their heart for years, wasn't quite sure when, start of this year, coming a bit sooner than they thought. Mm. We're just thrilled. And, and who knows quite what it's going to look like. You've not you know, planned it all out. I know you've seen somebody saved or somebody pray a prayer. Tell us that story. Uh, yeah, so we, we did a, um, we ran a, it wasn't an alpha course, it was called Life Explored. Um, something a bit different. We ran it in an art gallery in the town. It's a seven-week thing. Uh, it's, it's much more kind of conversational-based, and, and um, people have been bringing their friends along. And we had yeah, the one girl who who I don't quite know where she's actually crossed a line of faith. I think the conversation was, I'd like to pray that God would help me trust Him more. And uh, she's working through some stuff, so that's great. You know, that's, that's just amazing. And uh, we've kind of got five or six other people who are. Who, who are really keen to get involved in stuff. So someone that I work with, a guy called Sam, he's not Christian, 
um, but he feels like he belongs to, to something. He was telling someone else I worked with, oh, Liam, Liam needs a church, and I'm part of his church. And uh, I kind of thought, yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, that's brilliant news, so, brilliant yeah. to hear, isn't it? Uh, the whole purpose of these interviews is because we do want to be able to pray, and it just informs us. So if you could give us a couple of pointers that people think, actually, this is going on, it's happening now, we're behind you, how could we be praying for you? Uh, I think the, the the big one is for faith, faith for for us as a team. I just love us to, to the whole team to be expectant for what God's going to do, to be expecting God to move, and just to be walking, kind of walking with that, f- full of faith and excitement. Um, so please pray for that. Um, and the other thing is just is just for the town. There's we, we've been spoken to about just the the hopelessness and the brokenness that's. That's invisible, and that's kind of visible in some areas where you know there's, a, there's a quite a large estate up the hill, actually, where we live. There's there's brokenness there, but even in the rich people with the yachts and the there's there's, there's a hopelessness there, and uh, it goes me speaking to us about bringing bringing the hope that's found in Jesus. So, yeah, please please pray for that that you know that we are able to bring a hope that uh, is 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 not there. I'd really encourage us, you know, let's not just hear this, let's do it. You know, we do want to be those that pray, don't we? We want to pray that these guys know faith, yeah. that God speaks clearly. I know it sort of feels a blank bit of paper, doesn't it, what exactly to do and to bring hope. I think it'd be great when it's for us to think, actually, we're right behind him. He's an arrowhead, but, you know, we're right behind saying, come on, we're going to pray into this whole situation. I know we're going to be led into yeah. some prayer right now. The one thing I've often read about church planters is they don't need more ideas. They just need more encouragement. And so the reality is in the next 24 hours, you've got a church planter, a radical guy here. He should feel the most encouraged person by the time we all leave tomorrow. You know, wouldn't it be great just to be able to bring words of encouragement and hope to, to this lot as they go? So thanks so much for sharing yeah. your story. Fantastic. Uh, we should have a band coming up and joining us. Here they come. Hey! So we've got about 50 minutes now before dinner time uh, in which to come and enjoy Jesus' response to all we've heard today, come and worship him, praise him, and, and to pray, and pray into, pray into the goals that PJ set out, pray into some specific things like Liam and the team going to Falmouth. Um, so let's do that. Without any further ado, just wait for the band to set up. Why don't we stand together, stretch out. <laughs> so we're, uh, there's a decent crowd of us here, but we're a small enough group to be very flexible. So what we're looking for is, let's just, uh, let's spend 10 minutes or so just singing and coming kind of into the presence of God again like that, really focusing our minds on Jesus.